biggest thing is the ability to make an impact. From that moment onwards, we moved from being a brand that advertised to a brand that communicated. We collaborate with our clients and over time we try and get them to fire us. You must have to have really difficult conversations. I want to see no office wall. I want to see everything covered in ideas. There's so much data available that you can kind of get dazzled by it. And I have What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Hello, my name is Katie Sando and welcome to the Marketing Forum podcast, where we hear from experienced and inspirational folk across marketing, communications, creative and business. In this episode, I'm joined by the wonderful Mel Larson. She is a marketer and coach, founder of Mel Larson Associates and Dream Project Coach. She was marketing in the arts, culture and heritage sector when she was inspired to become a coach after noticing how negative leaders were being about their goals. In this episode, we chat about why coaches are going to change the world, the importance of visions, bear with us on that one, and how we can challenge our own thinking to become better in business and life. I really hope you enjoy. So, Mel Larson, you are a a dream project coach and you have Mel Larson Associates as well, don't you? That's right. Yeah, I've got sort of two, two heads, as it were. So, um... I'm really interested in your kind of experience of uh, being both a coach and a marketer. I think it's really interesting, but also actually there is quite a few people, there is quite a few people that kind of moving into that coaching space from marketing I've noticed recently, but I'm really interested what came first, were you marketer first and then moved into coaching or was it the other way around? That's a really great question. And you're absolutely right. There are lots of people who are doing both now. I began as a marketer. And um, I started to notice that you can have all the marketing strategy in the world, but if you don't have um, a positive mindset, it's not going to work. And um, I'm hesitating because I feel I'm about to sneeze. It's not, okay, we're we're good, we're good. Sorry about that, Casey. (laughs) (laughs) We are living in COVID times. I know, you need to sneeze, just do it. It's gone, it's gone. And um, yeah, you know, people were, just I, I noticed that so many people were sort of being negative about their goals and doing themselves down and they would have these great strategies but then if, if as a leader they were, weren't feeling positive and inspired about the future then they couldn't inspire their teams and they weren't getting the, the results that they could get so I started to see we need to have the two together and I was noticing other coaches who were like marketing coaches doing the same and I realized um, that I'm really good at this. I could do this. You know, this is this is my zone. Uh, this is exactly what I want to do, which, you know, years later has been it has been proven correct. I, I absolutely love doing it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a good sign, isn't there, when there's loads of people. Well, I don't I mean, it's an interesting space because I think there is there is plenty of people that are moving into that space, probably for different reasons. So I wouldn't have said necessarily everyone's doing it for the same reason that you started doing it but equally I do think that everybody needs different style of coaching so it doesn't feel Mm. as though it's like oh there's too many everybody's different aren't they yeah um there's a lot of space out there for coaches I don't think the market is saturated by any means and um I you know I I'd like to say that I think coaches are going to help change the world actually there's a especially now we need people who can help us 
think about things positively, use our brains efficiently. And there are a million and one different um, coaching modalities. Um, and yeah, there's room for us all, you know, just like there are many different mentors, many different um, therapists, um, you know, there's, there's space for all of us. Yeah, for sure. So tell me about Dream Project Coach then. So that evolved out of that uh, desire to almost support people, not just with strategy, but with how they approach it. It did. But to be totally honest, it also evolved out of a vision. And as you know, Katie, I'm really keen on visioning and vision boards. It looks like you've got a vision board in the background (laughs) there, which I'm very happy to see. (laughs) Um, So I'll never forget that moment. I was in the living room of our old home. We had this lovely flat in South London and I'd been looking at what is it possible to do as a coach? Like what kind of a business can you create? And I was looking at other coaches, particularly female American coaches. And there were a couple that I was just looking at their sites, their websites and getting really inspired. And um, I had this kind of lightning bulb, lightning bulb, lightning strike moment when I thought that is what I want to do it's a great business to grow and everything that I've done up to this point is going to be perfect for this business so I've been doing marketing for a long time uh, mainly for organizations in the cultural field and the heritage field and I'd also been training in in, uh, coaching and I just suddenly saw this is just the perfect thing for me and this is what I want to do. And I'll never forget that moment because it came to me like this, this vision and it's come true. It's it's actually exceeded what I thought it would be. When you talk about vision, do you mean that you practically took the time to create a a vision board board, or do you mean it in the sense that you suddenly in your mind's eye had clarity around what it was going to look like? The latter, I, I sort of came to me um, as a mental vision, yeah, my mind's eye. And that's happened to me many times. I've done lots of things, like I founded three festivals in Streatham that are still going, like one of them, I think it's about 15 years later. And that came to me as an initial mind's eye um, inspiration. But sometimes you can ask people, what do you want? I've literally just done this in an event. What do you want for the coming year? Make a vision board about it. And you can invite people to think about what their vision is. So there's different ways that a vision can come to you. And it can, it can come to you as, um, you might be listening to a piece of music and suddenly notice that your mind is drifting to what might be. Or a common time for it is when you're on holiday, you know, when you're, especially on those lovely beach holidays or you're just lying back in your deck chair and you just totally let go. And all of a sudden this amazing idea pops into your head. Um, or you're in the bath or the shower is a popular one. And um, so it can be kind of a random thing that happens when you you relax your mind. And because your mind is like infinitely creative and naturally so, when you relax, it kind of has time to like make all these new connections. And if you're still enough and quiet enough or ecstatic enough, they can pop into your uh, consciousness and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a really great idea. Or as I said, you can invite people to be still and think about what do they want and Uh, gather images together to represent some of their ideas so there's no right way I do quite a lot of work with businesses on strategy Mm. and um it it doesn't it does surprise me that you do kind of do you do still come across business owners who maybe don't really know what they want 
for the business and who maybe don't have that like vision. Mm. And so they're perfectly good running a day-to-day operation and kind of like almost uh, thinking about a business in, in quite a small way. But if you were to say, yeah, but what do you want it to like really look like? Like, what do you want it to look like? What do you want it to feel like? They're not connected really to that at all. And it's yeah. so interesting. It is. And um, I think it's sort of one of the most boring types of business you can have when it's all about the money. I've, uh, personally, yeah. I'm not anti-money. In fact, I help a lot of my clients increase their income often doubling their rate or increasing their annual income you know I'm totally comfortable and happy with people earning money but if it's your only driver I think it quickly becomes quite stale and uninspired because let's think about it one of the primary functions of having a business apart from earning a living is to make a difference your products and services should be making people's lives easier or better in some way and the very best kind of products are advancing it's going to this is going to sound a bit grandiose but advancing humankind in some way mm. um those are businesses that are, are really inspiring and that are led by a vision so I think businesses are about pure survival they're okay um but you know you can be selling even baked beans and have a vision you know <laughs> yeah do you think there's a barrier though for people around it sometimes like there's a you know almost like a purposeful detachment like oh, I don't want to go there because I don't want to deal with it maybe yes I think a lot of people think that having a vision is like this silly fluffy you know crazy thing that maybe if you're in the healing world or you're very creative yes it might be appropriate but not if you're running a quote-unquote serious business and um I've done a lot of um, research into visioning and I st- still am. And I wish I'd kept this link. I must look for it again. But I f- came across this study that showed that some of the top um, businesses, a lot, they did a survey with like um, entrepreneurs who had created these great businesses and a, a high percentage of them, it was something like 60, 70% said it had literally started with the vision And I think right now we're living in a time when we need visionary businesses more than ever to solve or to support movement through some of these really challenging um, so-called wicked problems. That's what some systems analysts, um, systemic analysts call it, you know, wicked problems, those very challenging problems that we have in the world. And I think business has a, a place to play in that. So it's not a fluffy thing, although some people might think it and also thinking about your question I think some people are afraid to have a vision that's the other thing I've got a whole handout actually on all the different reasons people don't have a vision I'm not going to go through all of it now but one of them is that they had a vision before and it didn't happen and so they're sad about that or they feel deflated or like they failed and feeling like a failure is one of the biggest blocks for entrepreneurs And it's very, very easy to go in that space and almost not even realise you're in that space and like keep taking action, keep going for it, but not really in your heart of heart feeling really inspired. And that's one of the worst ways to be in business because it's really exhausting. And again, it's kind of boring. So one of the things I'm always inviting my clients to do is like keep getting themselves back into that inspired space or state because that's when you get those amazing ideas you get the energy to do what you want to do you find the answers to your 
solutions. So as you can probably tell, Katie, I'm a, a massive visioning advocate. <laughs> but I totally get it. So it's, you know, like the, it's quite, um, it's quite a new thing for me. Like I probably was in the category of being like, mm, you know, like a little bit too hippie for me. But what, um, I, you know, forget the kind of process around it. In its simplest form, it's almost uh, saying, I'm going to create a picture of this is what I want. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and there's, there's plenty of reasons why you might do that in the same way that you might, might create any plan. But you, I think you've got it spot on. And if you think about it, everything that was created first starts as an idea, mm. not always a conscious idea. And yet, of course, there are these accidents of, you know, especially inventors who have these happy accidents. But a lot of the time before something happens, we're imagining it happening. Like we all have this default idea, this default visualization of how our evening's going to go. Like everyone who's watching this podcast, you're probably thinking about, how tonight's going to go, how tomorrow's going to go, how this week's going to go, how the rest of your life is going to go. Even if it's vague, we have this idea. And that's why it's always so shocking when things happen in our life that were unexpected, you know, and it's been very shocking in the last two years, hasn't it? That yeah, nobody thought, we, you know, we wouldn't have thought we were living through this time. Um, and actually, I think in the Western world as well, we've been trained to think, oh, that happens in other countries, that happens in those countries, it doesn't happen here. And actually, guess what? It's happening here, you know, and we're having to deal with it. And um, that's the kind of negative way of saying it. But we also have um, a lot of control over how we imagine the future is going to go and more control over what we create than we think. There is always going to be stuff like COVID happening that we have no control over. But in business, the more you focus on your dream and the more you start thinking about it, the more powerful um your trajectory will be because you as I said before you start having those ideas your team gets inspired and um I have found it in myself and with my clients to be um a really really powerful and very effective approach Mm, I uh, really found it um changed something in my mind when oh who was it um she said um was it Siddiqui um I can't remember her surname Siddiqui Ray yes yeah I think it was her that said that when you're thinking sometimes about your um visioning or at least what you want like try not to get caught up in the how so it's not it's not about the how at that point you know almost don't try and I do think that that is something that um so a lot of people I've worked with and also I've caught myself doing it in my own thinking is getting too trapped in the but what are the steps here and you just think then you forget to think about the big picture at all yes it's something I say over and over again is when when you're at the visioning stage don't worry about the how and I am a massive strategist by the way I respect strategy I respect research I expect at respect evaluation so I'm not anti-strategy I'm not anti anti Anthony, <laughs> anti-rationality. Um, but there is a dreaming stage that I think is very neglected and it, it is really, really important for sure. Tell me a bit more then about, so some of the clients you work with. So um, they're mainly, or at least did you start off mainly working with entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and then evolve it more? Yeah. So, I mean, as a consultant, I, I've been working for decades with uh, small to medium to large scale cultural institutions. So they can have 
anything up to 400 employees and um, budgets are, you know, one, one to three million. So still small, but, you know, uh, smallish. But as a coach, I'm mainly working with entrepreneurs. And I started out working mostly with solopreneurs, working in the service industry. Service as in, you might be a copywriter, might be another coach, that kind of thing. A photographer, uh, sometimes they're in the healing world, like yoga, that kind of thing. And as my business grew and my visibility has grown and my confidence has grown, I'm now starting to attract uh, people who have teams, um, who are six-figure business owners, who have teams of three to six people. So they're still relatively small, but what I'm noticing is it's, they're starting to, to get bigger. So I still uh, work with solopreneurs as well, and I love it. And they... Um... They're approaching you from a capacity of I want to grow or I want to do X in business. Help. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, yeah, they typically come to me um, when they they know that they have a big dream. So that they've kind of they do recognize the value of having a vision, but they have lost their way somehow. So they're usually very good at what they do. They're usually ambitious, but that ambition has been somehow tainted. They've had a few knocks or they've, they've tried lots of things and it's just not working. And often there are two reasons it's not working. One is that they don't fully understand marketing. And I have actually coached a lot of people who are coaches or marketing experts, some of whom I would say know more than me, but it's very hard to look at yourself. You know, so um, it doesn't matter that they, they're they doing a great job for their clients. There's something missing in how they're approaching uh, the marketing of their work. And it can be very hard to see that for yourself. And the second thing is, is confidence, that they lack confidence because of their a perceived failure that they've had. Or they've just been like ticking along, but not growing. So they're doing OK, but they, they know that they can do more. And actually, they reflect who I was about 15 years ago, because I would have said the same. I was actually very successful in my consulting, but my coaching was, um, you know, I was just starting it out then. And um, in fact, my consulting has grown a lot as well. And I'm now in that position of which child do I feed, you know, (laughs) which is really difficult. And I try and find work that combines the two. Mm. Uh, But yeah, so that's what people, um, the solopreneurs, when I'm being a coach, are coming to me typically with those issues and not knowing about marketing by the way one thing I want to say is you will know this anyone can go online and find like a million and one resources it's all there but that's the problem is it's so overwhelming and the reason people come to me is that I can help them filter that and say look these are the key frameworks that are going to help you develop your business and I can also give them bespoke feedback because I can rummage around bit like you know the work you're doing and find out what's the missing piece here and help them develop that and again that can be quite difficult to do for yourself even if you're a marketing expert I think the difficulty is as well is that um like you say there's so much it's overwhelming so you know there's so many channels and if you don't if you're not trained in marketing you're almost like I have to do everything and I think the process of um working um, either with a coach, you know, or actually with marketing experts, if your coach isn't a marketing expert, can also help 
you think about narrow it down from a more commercial perspective as well mm. um but you're right there's just so much it's crazy you know um, a lot of it you can get for absolutely nothing it's free but it's yeah. like where do you start who do I trust and that's the other thing is to find someone who's actually doing it themselves you know that they are you know I'm walking the talk I'm growing my business year on year I'm, I'm trying new things. I did my first reel today, by the way, Casey. <laughs> oh. And how I did know <laughs> probably lots of people watching are like, that's nothing. I've been doing reels for decades, but for me, well, not decades, I haven't been around for decades, but for me, I'm always, you know, I've been on Facebook for ages, Instagram for ages, but I haven't done that. And I just, I, I'm always trying stuff. So mm. because I don't want to be the person that's giving out the theory, but not living it. And I thought, you know, I can't put off doing reels any longer how did it go well like three people have liked it so I think we're, uh, we can say it's early days <laughs> Instagram will reward you as a creator um oh, I've heard yeah but it's whether or not the thing is for me with stuff like that is it takes me so long to do them <laughs> I'm just like I can't it's a lot you know and I, I did it for fun and I, I did it I'm also a, a Sunday painter I'm a part-time artist so I did it on my art um feed because it's kind of like low risk and I, I I just wanted to work out how do you do this it, as it turns out it wasn't that difficult and I definitely want to start doing it in my on my um coaching feed there's a <coughs> excuse me there's a sales coach that I'm currently in a business mastermind with called Claire Cui and she's amazing definitely look her up um in fact, you should interview her because she's just a fabulous human being and um she is on Instagram like six times a day fresh con her content is amazing it's fun and it's really clear and I'm just like how is she doing it she must be on Instagram all the time but she, is she that is her platform it? no it's all her she's actually appearing they're very you know reels are very usually very short and um she um just knows her she knows her message really really well and she's really inspired me I was looking at her and I was just thinking I need to up my game you know so I'm always learning and um, I enjoy it I love marketing I love working out the different platforms and um, you know I'm not one of those people that's got a PhD in Facebook advertising I would never claim to be that but I like to know the basics um, because I, I'm the person that helps people step back and think which is the best platform for me what so are the basic things I need to do you know mm. and then hire the expert to do the doings for you Mm. so I'll probably hire someone to help me at some point but I want to you know dip my toe in and understand yeah. it first and also sometimes if they're you know if you if you do find that kind of process enjoyable then you know why not I think why it's, a, it's where why not yeah I've put my creativity into it I know lots and lots of people who hate it with a passion and do not want to be on social media and you know you don't have to be on social media to sell uh, depends what you're doing but um, I'm like why would you that for me it's a bit like saying I don't want to use transport <laughs> it's like essential <laughs> yeah it's we I think we're definitely in a space now where you've got to be somewhere yeah I think so because that's the first place people will look but although I know lots of people who don't do a lot of it you know they and they're highly highly strategic and they prioritize heavily what they do but I'm all over it because I'm just fascinated by what you know what people are doing I find it in, I find reels so creative I've been I I just can watch them for hours I absolutely love them and I love I'm gonna have to look now oh well they're just wonderful and it's like this 
I love the community of Reels. It's like you get quote unquote ordinary people from all around the world, as well as business people who are like definitely there to sell. There's like just everyday people singing and dancing and gathering via particular hashtags. And, you know, I found myself sort of disappearing down this rabbit hole of let's look at all the people who are doing this particular dance move or saying this particular thing. And it's so creative. And I think it's this wonderful conversation that's emerged during lockdown times where people have found a way to connect it's the same with clubhouse you know it's really interesting how people are using technology in this time and this innate joyful creativity that we have as human beings has just really Mm. you know risen risen to the to the fore if you get it right it can be a real antidote can't it to the kind of the the kind of i love the internet versus the jesus i hate the internet so um it can be really nice. Do you think, as women, we've got particular challenges? That's a really great question. Obviously, and... that's a massive question. Let me be really specific. <laughs> 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 I mean, particularly pertaining to growing a business from a kind of, um, I guess for most people will probably do it from one man band and scale up. Yeah, Um I do think we have, and I'm I'm hesitating a little bit because I'm really interested in this new emerging conversation about the validity of gender, mm. you know, and I totally respect people who are like looking at gender fluidity. And it's a really interesting conversation. I love the idea of dismantling gender on one level because um, there's so much attached to gender. Um, that it can be negative so my answer is yes and no and I'm going to focus on the yes the no is kind of yeah yeah gender fluidity is going to be really interesting to see where that takes us and how it dismantles old patriarchal attitudes that have held women back and my yes is it's still highly relevant at the moment to talk about challenges that women face because you only have to look at the pay gap the gender pay gap is real and women who are creating their own businesses, there's like an enormous opportunity. So there's, there's huge opportunity and huge freedom. But there's also, I think, psychologically, we have a way to go. And some people call it imposter syndrome. But I love this new discourse that's coming out where people are saying, why are we saying we're the imposters? Because it's actually this thing on our shoulders from centuries of not being leaders, not having a say not feeling empowered, not feeling entitled. Um, so I'm finding with, a, you know, something like 98% of my clients are female. And the biggest challenge, as I said before, is confidence, you know, and a lot of that I think comes from how we're socialized as women to um, be modest, um, not lead, um, in case anyone thinks we're a a bee arch <laughs> bossy yeah bossy um lack of experience because we may not have had any role models around us and still we still are waiting but there's a lot of female leaders now which is really exciting but still you know there are lots of situations where we're surprised a woman's leading or takes charge and a lot of people have seen it with my own eyes can sometimes really tear a female leader apart if she doesn't behave the way that we expect women to behave. Um, So all of those things I think we are dealing with 
And then we are still the primary caregivers with children. Mm. I noticed um, during the very first lockdown, I did a lot of free workshops or low cost workshops to support entrepreneurs, uh, which was an amazing, amazing time of just really thinking, what can I do to help and doing these workshops and thinking, is anyone going to show up? And people showed up. It was amazing. Predominantly women. And I had to start changing my coaching times and some of my workshop times to evenings or early mornings just to accommodate women who suddenly had their kids at home and they couldn't get anything done. Um, It's just really hard for female entrepreneurs, you know, because Mm. of the stuff we we already know about, that you know, we've heard the stories ad infinitum in the news. Um, So being primary um, caregivers, I think, um, can be challenging, although there are so many inspirational women with children who've created businesses because they had children, they've noticed the gap around, you know, some, I I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know there are lots of really incredible women who'd like, you know, invented new nappies or, you know, new childcare um, structures. So, and I do think that um, women in business is one of the most exciting areas of business right now. And I think in the next 10 to 20 years, we're going to see, some amazing things happening. There already are, you know, as you know, many, many amazing female entrepreneurs. But there's another thing, which is not to stereotype us as women, but we are socialized to be nurturing. I'm not saying all women are innately nurturing, but we are trained to be that way. And um, we bring that into our businesses. And it's it's our friend, it's also our enemy, you know. Um, it's great because we, are able to sell in a nurturing way, which is the kind of new sales model. And um, it holds us back sometimes because we can be too nice. Mm. But I think this whole idea of nurturing, and it's been proven that women, by the way, when they give uh, philanthropically, they give to communities, whereas men uh, tend to build monumental things, which are still useful, but you know, like has their name on it, giant, giant monuments and things. And <laughs> I know it's, it's almost, it feels like a ridiculous stereotype saying it. And, <laughs> but, uh, and I'm sure that's changing It's definitely changing now, but you know, historically, uh, but we're very, we're, we're socialized to be very community minded, which help is very good for marketing um, because contemporary marketing is all about community and nurturing and listening you know all those things and also when we have money going back to the philanthropic thing we benefit communities so we're very powerful with our money and I do think that's the new paradigm that we we desperately need in the world right now that was a long answer no it's like uh, so because you recommended the book Rachel Rogers you sent it didn't you yes and um everyone we should all be millionaires. Yes. Yeah. And in that book, she talks about the fact that um, women, when they have money, spend it. <laughs> so we spend, you know, we, we give yes. more and we spend more. <laughs> yes. And um, it's the fact that I was thinking about it the other day. Talk about, I think I just got out of the shower and I was like, God, it's so annoying, isn't it? When we people talk about like the pink pound and how we're charged more because for, I don't know, the same thing because of women being women. And you just think it's so interesting to think about the fact that we should all be more wealthy as women because we are more likely to spend more. We're more likely to spend on support. We're more likely to spend on help. We're more likely to outsource. And as you say, we're more likely to give philanthropically. And so the, the, the 
the ripple effect of that is so much greater than having like a few people super wealthy but sitting on it yeah yeah and I'm not I'm not averse to wealth but personally I just think there's a point beyond which what do you want that money for you know like this it's such a joy to give and make a difference and you can still have a luxury lifestyle if you want but you can still still give it's such a wonderful wonderful mm. experience to be able to do that and especially to to direct that money to where it will make a difference it's just such an incredible feeling um but the flip side of that is you know from what you were saying is we don't always save we don't always invest we don't accumulate and um we saying, need to yeah. learn yeah we need to learn to do that as well I think because we again we've been trained there's a really good um um uh, thought leader around this Barbara Stanny um who I, I've done one of her programs she's just a wonderful woman around money and um, she said you know we're trained as women to um wait for Prince Charming or you know princess charming but you often in the heterosexual model it's it's we're waiting for a man to come and save us and um it's kind of like lodged archetypally in our our brains you know we've got to learn to think I'm the one that's going to change things I'm the leader here and that's that's still a very very difficult place for women to stand is to say I'm leading here and it's really important to do in business you know, because you're either going to be leading a team or you're the one that's going to be visible and women can find that intensely uncomfortable. I know I did until I invested in quite a lot of leadership training and I still do, but I'm, I'm much more comfortable with it than, than I used to be. Where I'd, I would just be terrified that my team or people, my partners or anyone I was working with would think I was this bossy, you know what, you know. Oh God, it's so bad though that that's what was ingrained in you. Yeah, and then you know, look at it. Look at look at how effective it's been. You know how powerful oh, yeah. that conditioning has been for for lots of us. Not all of us. There were some incredibly kick-ass women out there, uh, and also sometimes I think we there's a new conversation around finding our way. Mm of leading a fem- feminine leadership it's often called or the feminine divine and the more spiritual circles because some women in this classic kind of story of the 80s decided to be more male than the I men know. and you meet you know. them you do still meet them don't you yes <laughs> yeah and they're challenging they're scary although you know that's appropriate in some some contexts I think you have to be a bit of a ball break if you're yeah. working at high level politics or situations where people's lives are at stake you you probably need to be comfortable with being directive but you can there's still a still a balance you know I like to leave people feeling empowered not destroyed yeah and I I think sometimes when you go to that like you say that kind of 1980s ball breaker vibe it's um it's still a defense mechanism it's just a different one yeah um yeah that's so true I just want to pick your brains quickly about vision boarding and then I will let you go. <laughs> you don't have to let me go. I'm having such fun here. <laughs> I'll be like, you're like desperate for your dinner. You'll start eating the table or something. Um, so what I'm really interested in talking about with vision boarding is, so if someone were thinking, how do I do this? Where do you mm. recommend they start? For a vision board? Oh, it's really easy. So um, let me just show you a couple so that anyone who's watching, obviously if you can see yours in the background, there's different ways of doing it. This is, um, 
I'm still working through this vision board because um, my it's for my financial year. So I'll make a new one at the end of February because my financial year strangely ends at the end of February. I can't remember why. So um, this is a vision board. It's essentially a collage. And um, how to do it is to um, sit and think about what inspires you, what you want for your future. So imagine you're making a vision board for this year, 2022. Um, some people like to have a hot bath and relax. Some people like to listen to music. And I've actually got a free guided visualization you can listen to if you want, you know, six minutes just to help guiding you. There's lots of people that offer that kind of thing. And um, start to think about what do I want, you know? Um, and you can be specific, you can think about how much money do I want or how do I want to feel? Feelings are good if you're not sure exactly what you want. How do you want to feel? Um, and then you uh, will have prepared some magazines and you just start ripping out images that call to you, that inspire you. I like to do it in a kind of random instinctive way. And um, because often, even when you think, I pulled that image out in 10 seconds, I didn't think about it. When you go back to it later, you'll realize, wow, that image really means something because our visual processing is so fast. It's much faster than the conscious mind. So it's an incredibly powerful way of tapping into um, the heart, you know, the, the unconscious mind, or let's say the subconscious mind. And um, then you just stick them down. It's best to fill the whole space. Some people like to leave space that can work if you're wanting to create a calmer feel, but it's, it's good to create it almost like you're looking at a movie. In fact, some people do create movies that like they gather images and put them onto a video, which is really powerful to have movement in it. Um, I like to add words, but just a few. I don't like lots and lots of words. Some people do lots of words. And I do like them to be quite feelings-based. Mm. So, you know, if you look at this, it's quite open to interpretation, but you get, you get a vibe from it. Yeah. Um, some people, so for me, it's more like a kind of an incredible within reach. It's like saying I'm going to have this amazing year, which I did, as I have done, a financial year. Some people like to do more literal ones, like, you know, this is my goal. I want to earn X amount. Sometimes I do that. I, I often do lots of vision boards for different projects. And um, so it's basically a collage. There's a million and one different ways you can kind of, uh, you know, ramp it up, but that's the basics. And some people like to have music playing while they're, they're pulling out the images. One of the things I do after I've done it, sometimes I'll go back to it and list literally what I see and then turn those words into a poem or a story, which I know might sound even more airy fairy in doing a vision board, but it's really powerful. And like, I'll just give you an example, Katie, and you're going to have to stop me because I can go on and on about vision boards. No, so you see I don't here, want to stop you. Oh, bless you. Well, let's keep going then. So you see here, this is a honeycomb beehive. Mm -hmm. Excuse the, the nail polish. I, I need to redo my nails. <laughs> it's been a bus busy week and it's only Monday. Um, so this is a beehive. And what I notice in quite a lot of my uh, vision boards, I can't find another one that's got it here. Um, yeah, here it is. I've got hundreds of vision boards, by the way. Here's another one. So this one was about the year. This one is about money because I do a lot of work around money um, because it's really important that you have something to sell to be comfortable with money. And also I want to hold the space for my clients and help them step into being empowered around money. But on this one, can you notice again, there's the honeycomb? Oh, yeah, Oops. honeycomb. Yeah. So 
I didn't consciously That's think, oh, so I'm going to do a honeycomb. Yeah. What do, you, what do you find interesting in it? Well, so, I mean, my mind automatically goes, because bees and the way they hive and honeycomb is incredibly fascinating. And isn't it to do with the, oh, what was the mathematician that uh, created the, it was like, it's like nature's formula, isn't it? A Fibonacci sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So it's almost like it's really... Uh, I was going to say profound, but I don't mean profound. I mean, like, natural. Oh, I like that. Because the nature features a lot in my vision boards. And what it means for me is I looked at it and I thought, I've got the honeycomb there. And I often have symbols of community. So what it means for me is abundant community. Because bees are known for creating these incredible systems and communities. And um Actually, now I'm real- as I'm speaking to you, I'm realising there's always the queen bee, right? <laughs> um, but they're, they're this lovely abundance. You're right, you know, it's natural. And um, so that's my subconscious mind speaking to me. And guess what? The, one of the main things I need to focus on is community. And just, you know, I was saying earlier, women are great at creating community. Um, but it's like my subconscious mind told me that before... You know, and this loops back to strategy. You know, we could go deep here, Casey, but you know, know. <laughs> you know, it's like your mind. I've got to tell you a story actually of this time. Your mind knows the strategy before you're conscious of the strategy, right? Mm. Like I'm getting into quantum stuff now, but I remember reading this. This is the story. This amazing story. I can't remember where I read, where I read it, but it's all about the mind, and it was about this guy who was an architect. And he'd been struggling to like come up with this idea, this design for this building that he was in charge of and he was behind time. And normally uh, drawing out the plans would take a long time. I think maybe two weeks or something. I don't know. Um, He took some, shall we say, some psychedelic drugs, which I'm not advocating, but it was interesting that that was his access, his gateway to opening his mind. And he had drawn up these plans and designed it within like four hours. And he said that would be considered impossible in everyday life. Um, and there's also another story of this guy who's a famous um, guy with autism. He's called Stephen something. He's a young black guy. And there's this great YouTube video of him flying over, I think it's Rome. And he's just literally flying over it in a helicopter, five minutes. And then he sits down, he's got this panoramic sheet of paper on the wall and he draws with incredible accuracy, the whole vista that you would see from a helicopter. And you would just say, that is freaking impossible. How the hell does he do that? And of course he has a very particular kind of mind. Mm. But I hear those stories and I think, our minds are incredible. And yeah, we, we don't, we're not, you know? So when people are struggling with strategy, I always think, go to the vision, go or get, get some postcards out and start talking about it because sometimes we can get really jaded or our rational mind is useful, but it it sometimes gets us in a rut and doing crazy stuff like this takes our brain into a different space. I really, I mean, I really think if you're listening to us right now and you're in that headspace of going, this just is weird, you must try (laughs) it because so, you know, um, you know, talking about Siddiqui again, she was talking about the fact that she has, um, well-being mood boards she has you know um work mood boards home mood boards relationship mood boards yes and I I genuinely I know it does sound whack but 
I really, I listened to you, Mel, when you said, try not to overthink the process. And, you know, I tried not to be like, oh, what does this mean? Oh my God, what does this mean? And instead I was just like, what appeals to my eye? And, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's quite weird then when you look at it afterwards with a different perspective, Mm. that it makes sense to your conscious mind. And you're like, right, I get it. You know, I get why. So do try it, even if you're listening to us and just thinking, right, we're advocating psychedelics, which, by the way, there is some very interesting (laughs) research into (laughs) around uh, healing, um, not healing necessarily depression, but supporting depression. I'm not surprised that opens the mind. Yeah, and I'm I'm not, not advocating it, but there are, yeah, there are therapists who are using various psychedelics under very highly controlled safe circumstances to heal trauma and they're having amazing results yeah it's really interesting if you're interested in stuff like that tim ferris on his podcast talks about it a lot i love tim ferris he's amazing i know can i just say one more thing about you know if you're watching this and you think this is crazy i just want to underline i'm a very very rational strategic person i really am i'm really encouraging my clients to like you know get their funnel structures right think about their target segments. I do all of that. But um, it's there is another layer that is neglected. And just to give you an example, I was coaching someone the other day without giving away any detail because it's always confidential. I have coached a number of people in the STEM world, like scientists, right, who are super rational. I've got them doing vision boards. They've loved it. Um, and the other thing that I work with is language. I'm always listening for what's the metaphor that people are using when they speak? Mm. Um, You know, sometimes people are talking about a challenge they have and they're talking about it like it's a physical object. You know, we all say things like, it's a weight off my shoulders, let's get this moving. They're all, it's all metaphorical language. And um, there's an amazing book, I'm only halfway through, it's taking me about two years to read it because it's so intense, but it's called Metaphors We Live By. And the more you listen to the language people are using, and this is great for anyone out there who is a coach or is a consultant or has a team, the more you train yourself to listen deeply, it's almost like people are opening up their head and telling you everything that's going on. So often when I coach people, people are like, I've literally had someone last week say, that was amazing. How did you know? How do you know I'm thinking that? And I'm just like, because I'm listening to your language really, really deeply and and listening to the architecture of how you're representing things. And, you know, if someone keeps saying, we've got to get through this, you know that they're seeing some kind of barriers, obvious. Mm. But we, because we're so used to people using language like that, we don't always stop, pause and think, how is this person really, what's this person's experience? Mm. And that's another really sort of powerful, I guess for me, it links to visioning because it's almost like the language we use is saying how we're seeing things in our head. Um, and when you learn that you can change that and start using, uh, you know, we call it reframing and coaching, you can literally change your life. You know, you can change how life occurs to you. And it's, it's incredible. So, mm. yeah, it might seem a bit weird, but trust me, it really works. It's like a deeper level of self-awareness, isn't it? Like the the signs, the symbols, the, um, I don't know, like you say, the, the meaning. It's all there. We just don't, we're not really very good at reading it. Yeah, and if if we were always present to it and thinking about it, we'd probably go mad. You know, yeah. it's like too much information. Coaching is a very, a very highly kind of specialized yeah. conversation, 
Um, I just had an example that popped into my head, actually, you know, because I, I coach people a lot around marketing, but also money, because people can get really kind of crazy around money. They, have, they can have shame or anger or they avoid it, but say they want it, you know, all those things. And think about how we talk about money, like filthy lucre, dirty cash. Was it filthy rich? It's like money is dirty. That's one thread, you know. And um, even if we're saying those things jokingly, it, it can have a massive impact on business. And I'm looping it back again to women. We can often have um, a real discomfort around money. And so when I'm coaching women around money, I'm really listening to what's the language they're using? What are the metaphors they're using? Um, how does their breathing change what's the tone of their voice all those things um, you know can bring the subconscious up to the conscious and then when we can see it or we're talking about it we can then start to say do you really want to do you really think that you know do you really want to have that um, relationship to it could be money it could be could be teams could be partnerships could be anything in your Mm. business yeah it's it's um it's fascinating, isn't it? We, I mean, we talked about it before about this idea that um, it's not the reality that wealth is new for women. Um, we haven't got generations of being trained because up until fairly recently, we weren't really allowed it. Yeah, we were kind of property. We were the thing that money was exchanged. Or it was denied us or, you know, we were, we were mm. was it chattel? I think is the word, we were chattels or something yeah. like that, you know. So, um, yeah, you know, and I was just watching this film last night, amazing film by um, Sophia Coppola, um, about Marie Antoinette. Oh, yeah. And she's like the kind of poster girl for somebody who just frittered money away. (laughs) And she did. Although what we're not told, which I learned from the film, was she was only 14 when she married the French king. Um, but, you know, when you look historically at those stories, it's it's kind of reinforces all those negative stereotypes. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK. She wasn't, you know, a great um, a great one for helping the people, the, the, the populace. But it's like that's those stories. They're kind of like these archetypes that are dragged out, you know, about yeah. us. They're still everywhere, aren't they? This sense of mm. what do we do with money? It's like, oh, I don't know, get our nails done. You know, we <laughs> might very well get our nails done, but that's probably not all we're going to do. You know, there's some very exciting um, women I keep seeing now on Instagram who are training people in how to invest money, training yes. women how to invest money. I wonder if we're getting the same Instagram adverts. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Is it these two women who've got this new thing? I forgot but, what it's yeah, called. Yeah, it's like inve- women invest or something. Something like that, yeah. It's really good marketing, actually, because I keep noticing it and I'm like, hmm, maybe I should check them out. I know. I, yeah. yeah. I think I'm always put off by the word invest because I'm a bit like at the moment it's like what invest what <laughs> maybe I need to <laughs> but anyway we'll get to that um Mel thank you so much for joining us it's been so lovely to chat through with you and I know that you've got talking about freaking everyone out with our conversation about vision boards hopefully <laughs> not you've got a challenge coming up haven't you I have. Thank you so much for mentioning it. So this is one of my favourite things to do. I do it two or three times a year. It's called Open to Miracles. And sorry, if anyone thought I was woo-woo, you definitely think I'm woo-woo now. <laughs> um, the 
the Business Vision Board Challenge. It's a five-day event online. It takes place on Zoom and on Facebook. It's seven o'clock every night, UK time. And in that challenge, it's free, by the way, we, um, the first day we look at your vision and you create a vision board. So it's like basically looking at what do you want? What's your highest desire and dream for your business, no matter where you are, no matter how successful you are, you can be starting or you can be very successful. There's, you know, it's usually another level to go to. And then on subsequent days, we look at things like, um, what's your strategy? And I do that in a creative way. Um, so you kind of get um, ideas from other people on how they would approach your, your strategic challenge. Uh, we look at your relationship to money and we do that in a creative way. <clears throat> Excuse me, so hang on one second. And we also look at um, who you need to connect with. So we, we look at networks. It's very creative. It is strategic as well. If you're a rational thinker, there's there's definitely a rational angle to it as well. So I cater for all sort of different types of thinking. It runs from the 17th to the 21st of February. Um, I don't know if you attach links to this podcast. Yeah, I, I was going to yeah. say, I will put the details in the... Um, in the links the other thing I was just going to ask you about this is if is it just for entrepreneurs solopreneurs is it can people with side projects or people who are employed but maybe Mm. also have stuff that they're trying to achieve within a job framework absolutely it's open to I say it's open to entrepreneurs and people with a passion project so if you're an employee and that you know you're always going to have a project aren't you if you're a manager or even if you're um an entrepreneur you know, so it's relevant because ultimately it's about goals. It's about who you need to connect with. Um, even the money thing, you know, even if you don't have a budget and you're an employee, you're still going to be interested in that because we're all, all of us are always interested in money, right? Um, so I've had people from all those categories take part and absolutely love it. It's quite high energy. It's fun. Um, I've run it twice before. Uh, so this will be my third time and would love to see you there and it's a no-brainer you come and check it out if you don't like it it's not going to cost you anything so you might as well come and see you know how it works and, and enjoy well, it i uh, i can recommend i can recommend thank you thank you so much katie thanks mel lovely to see you I hope you enjoyed that episode of the marketing forum podcast if you are not already please do like and subscribe And you can follow us on social media or subscribe to our mailing list to find out more about episodes coming your way soon.